Hi, and welcome to Mobile Couch. This is a show where we talk about mobile development, like for Android and iOS and the web and other things too, I guess. This show is hosted by Jake McMullen. Hello. Sorry, and- you got me with Android. Can we discuss Windows Mobile? <laughs> I guess we can. And Nokia. And Tizen. Nokia doesn't exist anymore. No, no. Apparently, Nokia are trying to recruit developers for their platform, okay. their non-Windows mobile app platform. Okay. Well, this show is also hosted by Ben Trangrove. I want to talk about Tizen. What the heck is Tizen? It's Samsung's smartwatch platform. What about Baidu? I've heard of that. I think that's <laughs> Samsung's smartphone platform. <laughs> and it's also hosted by me, Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Farrelly. And uh, this is episode 26. Yeah. Yeah. So I have follow-up. All right. It's actual follow-up because I can't say it's like feedback or anything like that because it's from me. I didn't write an email. All right. I don't, cool. I don't feel the need that I, I don't you, feel like I have to. No, you, you just send yourself animated GIFs. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for those of you who have um, have been listening for the last, at least the last few episodes, um, I've kind of talked a little bit about the stuff that I've done with GIF Wrapped, and um, a few weeks ago now, GIF Wrapped actually launched. Yeah, how's like, it going? It's going really well. Um, I've had a bunch of reviews by various um online. I've been reading them. It's pretty blogs cool. and stuff. Like they've all been very. Did you? How did positive. it start? Did you send it to someone and it just sort of? When I when I first launched the app, Casey List tweeted about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the articles came out of that, but then it's just kind of expanded beyond anything that Casey could have. Yeah, that's what happens. If you get, yeah, it just takes one blog post and then the other blogs will pick it up. So I've been, I've been written about, or GIF Raptor has been written about in uh, Spanish, in French, in Russian, and several English. Um, articles have been out too, so that's kind of cool. That is kind of cool. It kind and, of makes sense that gifts are a universal language. And um, it's it's odd where the traffic comes from, right? Because um, if you look at my stats, and maybe I'll post an image in the show notes or something to kind of show you the download stats, um, there is a fairly sizable bump at the beginning when it was written about a Mac Stories, and then it kind of trails off, and it trails off quite low, and then there's a tiny little bump when Lifehacker writes about it. Tiny little bump. I would have expected a much larger bump from mm. from Lifehacker. And then there's an enormous bump, way higher than anything of like that Mac Stories contributed to or anything like that, from a French article that got written about it. There you go. Of all things, that's what happened to Quick Math, except it was German. Wow. We had a German article and just went nuts. So the French yeah. and German articles you guys are referring to here were they in more mainstream media? It's hard or to was tell. it still I don't a know. sort of it wasn't like a thing? Like I, I, you, you can, it's very difficult. You to don't know. speak French and or German. Well, I don't speak any other language than English and PHP. <laughs> I don't know. Can you speak yeah. that? <laughs> an objective? No. Um, and so, like I, the you know what I'm going off is the Google Translate version of it. And, you know, that is kind of here and there. But I can kind of get the sense that it is positive. And it was only the one site that I can tell, but they, um, but there was a giant spike afterwards. That's fantastic. So, so, uh, so you're going to retire and buy an island. <laughs> I wish that was how it worked. That's not how it worked. Hang well, on. Well, Hang no, on. Because, because I, because I went down the route of doing it free, like having a free app with in app purchase to buy. Um, to to remove ads, so I was using iAd. Ah, uh, what's your what's your um conversion? The conversion is relatively is is actually really low. Um, I have been getting like several purchases of the of the in-app purchase every every day. So people don't care about ads. Basically, they're happy to put up with them. Yeah, but it seems that it seems that most people don't care, and and, and like I I think that's something that we've we've. You know, we've talked about before. Mm. You know, most people are perfectly happy to put up with things like you know, weird pop up alerts and. and did, did you see that blog ads. post by some guy that was like 
sharing his secrets of how to make a fortune in the app store. I did about see like that. Buying, yeah. buying apps and quickly like redoing the visuals and trying to add more opportunities to stick more horrible ads in people's faces yeah. in order to get sort of more revenue from them. Like interstitial ads. Yeah. And it was it went on and on about like which sort of ads work the best and you hmm. know how you can change the mechanics of the game to allow ads to display for longer and it's so, pretty horrible. So ads have been relatively low as well. Like I haven't been making very much from ads. I make less from ads than I do from the removal of ads every day. Do you reckon you make more than 20 bucks a month from ads? Because that's what I make. Uh, well, the ads have only been in, have at this point, have been in for a week. Okay. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to talk make $5? Bit, maybe, maybe $5. Cool. I think it's probably it's probably on the under that at this point. Cool. So it's relatively low, but the fact of the matter is is that it's making money from the removal of them. And well, you know, the way that I see it is currently it's making more money than progressions was by itself, and that's a win, really. Yeah. I that's how I see it. And I'm not. I've, I never expected that it would even get as big as it already has. So I can't be complaining about that. Yeah, I think it's fa- it's awesome when you get to work on a product that people enjoy using. Like the satisfaction you can get from knowing that you've written some software that people are enjoying. Yeah. It's fantastic. But wouldn't it be nice if it could also pay? It would be very nice. And to be perfectly honest, at the end of the month, I'm going to get a relatively fat check from Apple compare- comparatively to what I was getting before. Yeah. Nice. And I'm perfectly happy with that. Like it's paying enough money that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy with the amount of time that I spent on it, and will continue to spend on it. Cool. Um, but you know, some of the stuff that I wanted to talk about in regards to, like, I guess lessons learned in in a way, not really. Um, one of the things that we talked about the previous couple of episodes, because obviously the last episode was our chat with Mark. Um, but the episodes, a couple of episodes previous to that, we were talking about um, asking for reviews and um, and talking about like how a good way might be to do that. Mm. And I think um, I, I think I mentioned that like there was one way that I was interested in trying out, which was asking in the update notes because people that care about the app, um, they like they are the ones that are reading the update notes, right? Yeah, right. And it's not like you're sticking it in front of their face. At a time that's inconvenient to them, people right. are going to only be reading update notes when they've got time to kill, and exactly. they're interested to, to know about your app a bit more. Yeah. So, um, so one of the things that I did was because I've had a couple of updates already. Um, when the app launched, it launched with a an an in-app purchase bug that was happening to everybody, so I needed to fix that. So I I put a an update through um, using using a um, expedited review expedited review. Yeah, and it went through less than twenty four hours. That's nice. after the launch. They're good. Um, yeah, good. You have to use them very sparingly. Oh yeah, no, I I know. I I the only reason I used it then was because it was a crash that was happening to everyone. So for people that don't know about expedited reviews, it might be worth mentioning. I mean, you probably most developers out there are already aware of them, uh, but this there there exists a form somewhere on Apple's website where you can uh, officially request an expedited App Store review. Right. Uh, for Various reasons, um, and they don't make any promises about whether or not they'll grant your request to expedite your review. Um, but in the past, I found that if you've got good reasons and you use it sparingly, often you can get a review through very quickly. So what I did was I basically explained the problem that it was happening. Um, I very I, it, it only took me like a, a paragraph or two mm. um, in order to do it. I basically said, okay, every time somebody tries to buy this in-app purchase, this is what happened. This is the reason that it was is caused by, and I fixed it. The update is there. I just wanted to go out. Yeah, and um, I think I think just being very clear about like about the problem was mm. very important. And um, I mean, I got a couple of other things out in the same in the same um, uh, update because, well, you know, while I was there, might as well fix a couple of other really quick, you know, crash-inducing bugs that were um, causing problems. Did you have any sort of SSL bugs, you know, no. go to fail? There's there's very little, uh, there's very little, you know, to talk to servers and stuff with GIF-wrapped, ironically. 
Um, and, and you use like braces in if statements, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Do yeah. you use yeah. go to? No. Who uses go to, by the way? Do, so I didn't even know that was a thing in Objective C. What? Of course it is. It's C. Well, I don't know C. Oh, okay. I just yeah. know Objective C. Well, no C. one uses it, so that's why I've never seen it. I used I used Go to when I first learned to program, which was in primary school, Everyone doing basic. Yeah. So what does it like? What does it do? Does it like call a function something. or something? Go to it just jumps to another point in your program's execution. Flow. Okay. Doesn't it? That's what it did when I did used it in I primary realize school. What, you know, exactly I know I understand that. the idea behind Go to, but I don't understand how it works in like in a, a language like C. You write a label which looks like a hash define sort of thing. Right. And then you can say go to that and it will jump straight to that Ooh, line. Right, okay. So in those update notes and in the update notes for the second update that I pushed out, um, I asked for I asked for reviews. I was very kind of specific about how I did it as well. And I've been very um I've been very kind of uh, decisive about what I do in far as insofar as like how I talk about the app, how I present the app and all that sort of stuff. For starters, I mean, I'm ridiculously open about everything that I'm doing. Yeah, I think that's good. Um, especially in the update notes because obviously, and like I've said in the update notes themselves, like so often you get update notes that just say bug fixes mm. and you, you don't know anything that's going on. And so I've taken the opportunity to write these essay long update notes that are People people will seem to really like. That's great. And at the end of them, I've just asked for. I've just said, look, you know, if you want to send me a GIF or you know, give like ask about an issue or suggest something, then you can contact me via this email or on this Twitter account. And if you're really feeling kind of uh, generous, you can you know post a review right here on iTunes. I just gave you one. just an honest review. Just then. Sweet. <laughs> and one star. I think that's the thing. Like <laughs> I've had a one star review already. I'm not I don't feel bad about it. It really? happens. Yeah. What it was happens? It? Read it. Uh it was French. It was in French, but the it translates to something like Best um, app ever. You Love must it? you must tell me how this works. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, Maybe legitimate enough. then. Um at least it wasn't like my one, which was just scam. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Well, this is a scam. Awesome. One or the other. I think I think it really has helped because, like, in the updates that I've been getting, I've had a rush of of reviews posted on iTunes, and they've, with the exception of that one star review that didn't actually, don't, I don't think it came from it came, because it's French. I think it came from the French article as opposed mm. to the update that mm-hmm. slightly preceded it, and um, like they've all been highly rated all have been you know wonderfully like and i didn't ask for that i just asked for an honest review so what you're saying is you're success you've successfully manipulated the app store reviewing process i have i have Um, can you tell who i'm channeling here yeah (laughs) (laughs) look i i think i think this is perfectly okay because i'm i'm not asking for people to uh to post only the good stuff i'm asking for people to post what they think on itunes yeah i'm not suggesting that they should only post a five-star review at all. Oh, no. Look, I think that's a completely legitimate way of of soliciting reviews in order to get more reviews. I'm quite surprised a lot of people still read those update notes. Well, I was, mean, I do myself. I mean, it wasn't hundreds. It was like maybe – there was maybe like 12 or so um, up, like reviews that were, were posted. Yeah, but imagine that's probably off a generous 25% conversion rate. So, yeah. It's a lot of people still reading those – Update notes, hmm. and um, yeah, you know, and I think I think what has been important is the way that I kind of I've dealt with the app, and especially because I think that's what makes it kind of acceptable. Hmm. Not not that there's a lot that you can do that makes you know soliciting reviews acceptable, but the fact that I've been re- so open, so so honest about the things that have been happening, but also like I've I've put my I've put myself out there and like f- tried to find like I've a- I've proactively gone out to find people who are having issues I've gone on to like I have a I have a search that I do both on Twitter and or, like basically all the social networks and um basically you're stalking your users right I if am. anyone is like mentions to a friend walking down the street oh I download gift wrap I'm having a bit I, of like, trouble pop up and I'm like, there you are hey. going can I help you <laughs> that has been 
surprisingly accurate. Uh, <laughs> I've I've jumped up. In, is it is it weirding anyone out? No, people people are really appreciative of it. Um, I had one user who posted to his timeline, basically just mentioned like he didn't actually mention any user accounts or anything, so he didn't mention the gift wrapped account or the or my account. He just talked like he did mention gift wrapped, which is how I found him, and. By me basically saying, like jumping in and saying, "Hey, I I just saw that you had some issues, you know," um, and I try I tried to you know explain, um, you know that I'm when what's what the problem is and how I'm going to fix it and stuff like that, and he was really appreciative of it and loved the fact that I, you know, that I responded and yes, and, and didn't call him out. I just kind of responded yeah. to him and just said, "Look, I want to help you. You know, can you help me?" track down what the problem that you're having is and I'll I'll try and fix it. Have you tried Googling any App Store review usernames yet? I have. I may some have of done that are, before. Some, actually, <laughs> it um, works. I emailed a guy and he was like super appreciative. I've, I have done it a couple of times, but I <laughs> actually AppBot, um, which is a service from uh, Stuart. Yeah. Stuart yeah. Hall, um, one of the previous guests on the show. He has he has a service called AppBot, which does like pulls the reviews for you and emails them to you each day. It includes a link like for a Google search with the name plus Twitter plus Facebook and stuff like that. Really? So it's a it's a pre pre set up search. Mm. Good work, Stuart. I'll include a link to the show note in the show notes for AppBot because it's awesome and it's free. Hmm. Have you reviewed it on the App Store yet? Well, it's a it's web, not an app store. It's a web app. service, not an app store app. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got me there. <laughs> uh, and look, the thing. Although, I th- having said that, one of my best one star reviews was for an app that wasn't my app. Well done. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> so you could just review it randomly somewhere Maybe else. Somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My dream is to see someone in public, just a random, using one of my apps. It has never happened. I think this is. Like this might be this app, GIF wrapped might be my my chance at mm. that. Actually, you must have had it. Have oh, yeah. you? I've had it. It's nice. Oh, that was brilliant. See Jake's Pretty sitting awesome. in his couch, I've heard, all smug. I've heard yeah. friends say they've seen it, but it's not the same. You just, you just have to you stalk. Know, people? Yeah, go places where you think people might be using Quick Math, for example. I'll just or- work on the train every day. <laughs> yep. I don't think it's a good idea for him to like go into schools and just hang out and just be like. Are you, are you using watching. any nah, schools don't count because, like, I know the schools that use it, so yeah, that's, right. that's cheating. Oh, I right. need someone on a, like, bus or... Just random. Just completely random. Yeah. Anyway. One day. I look One forward day. to that as well. And I think, look, I mean, asking for reviews and asking for reviews in the way that I've done hasn't hasn't stopped bad reviews from coming through. And to be fair, like the reviews have been like there have been some three star reviews as well, and uh, there's been at least one one star review. And I'm not going to just like discount the fact that they exist. I, I realize that you know they they have legitimate problems, and I'm going to do my best to actually you know take care of that and fix it so that there is no problem. One of them being the thing that the one that the French um, review was about the one star review. Where he's like, you need to tell me how to use this, and um, so obviously I've you know kind of sat down and thought, well, clearly there's you know a problem with my mm. my the way that I do things. I had an onboarding wizard that you see in a lot of apps these days, which you know detail how to use the app. I, I, I hate the word onboarding for I some know. reason. It kind of makes me cringe and shudder. But I kind, I think I kind of, I feel conflicted about the concept as well. Like part some of the time, I like it. I think this is really nice that it's kind of leading me into the app and explaining what it's about and showing me where to get started. And then another part of me feels like if the minute you've got to do that, you've obviously failed, you know, there's there's something that's not intuitive enough that you actually have to be explicit and overt. Right. And I think I think there is a balance that you have to achieve with that, right? Putting in an onboarding wizard isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I think if you just do it because, well, the app is difficult to use then you're only painting over the the problem. Mm. It's not actually fixing anything. There are ways that you can you can improve like your app itself in order to make it more usable, I think. I like the way that good games do it. Where, you know, the um difficulty of the first experience you have in the game is is so simple that it kind of gradually reveals the gameplay mechanics to oh, you a bit so at a time. Brilliant. 
Have and you ever read the um, stuff about the very first Super Mario? Because they basically couldn't do instructions. Tell that, me. that first level is designed exactly for that. So the first part, all you can do is really run right. Yep. And you, then you're presented with a pipe. So you must learn how to jump, jump. at that point. Yep. And then you're presented with a mushroom. So you, you quickly learn if you run into it, okay, if I run into things, I die. Yep. And then you work out you can jump over it. And later on, they present you with three mushrooms. So you can work out you can jump onto enemies because that looks like a pretty long jump to have to make to clear them all. Mm. And the whole first level is designed like that. Yeah. yeah. It's so I think it's, it's really common in, in games to do that, to sort of like, it's not overt. It's not like they've got little overlay text popping up and, you know, the action pausing while someone says, jump on an enemy to Although squash it, them. In yeah. some of the newer games, it is like that. Yeah, yeah okay. But, I mean, the, the thing is, is that there are there are many ways that you can improve the, you know, the, the usability of your app without just sticking in instructions. And it's not that by sticking in instructions, you've automatically failed. It's just... If you're sticking in instructions, it should be for, you know, for the things that you literally can't show the user while they're trying to do it, mm. right? And I think, I think that's important. That's an important thing to to take into mind. And that's the sort of thing. That's the sort of thinking I've been trying to do. When, like while I'm, you know, rethinking how the app works. Um, I mean, there's no, there's not a problem with the way that the app works. Plenty of people have downloaded it and used it. It's just that. There are obviously you know things that need to be improved because it's not perfect, and it never really will be. But I can certainly you know make some choices about how that works without having to just you know eh, let's just stick in an onboarding wizard and that'll do the job. Hmm. But the thing that I the, the one thing that I've kind of come across with uh with this app, and here's my rant. Yeah, I sense a rant coming yeah. up. <laughs> Should I take my headphones off? I'm not going to get loud. Okay, good. I'm too radio trained for that. <laughs> so, in setting up this app, like I made the decision very early on of how I was going to essentially monetize this. Um, it was going to be free because I don't like that word either. Onboarding and monetize. All right. All right. Well, I'm just going to start a little bingo thing. I was going to. I had to think about how I was going to make money from this app. And uh, previous, my previous app was Progressions, which is a paid app. It's about five bucks on the App Store. And it does relatively well. I get a few downloads. You know, at the moment it's kind of low, but I get a download or two every day usually. And so with this app, I decided I was going to make it free and trying to improve the the general download uh, download of the app, and then use iAd to uh, to make money from the app itself. Mm-hmm. But then on top of that, have an have in-app purchases. So one will be to, you know, remove the ads and there might be others for, you know, different services and stuff that I'll provide within the app. And the idea being that that's how I'll that's how I'll make the most money. So iAd is typically kind of presented um, with the Apple documentation and stuff as really being really easy to implement. But to be perfectly honest, I don't think it is. I really don't think it is. And I want to point out that I don't think I'm really like I'm not stupid or anything. Like it's not like I didn't read the stuff that, you know, is presented. I read through it. But it wasn't a lot of it wasn't clear. And the fact that when you put in when you put the stuff into the app, when you put the code in and it works, you get this message to say that you have successfully connected to the iApp network. IAD network, not iApp. And that's not the case at all. All you've done is in, is inject the code correctly, and that's only like one one part of the that's, this that's process. That's not all you need to do. No, it's not. You have there's a couple of other things that need to be done in order for an uh, for iads to even show up in your app. So one of the things that they have improved, it seems, since like early in the piece, is that. Um, when iAd first came out, you had to, like, if you had it in, injected into, like, a table view or something, you had to do all the work of hiding it yourself. And it seems that they've improved that because that takes, like, you, you literally only have to inject it and it's done. Like, that, as far as code is concerned, it is, like, maybe three or four lines of code. All right, nice. Um, and that, that takes care of getting the banner to display right. wherever you want. Or yeah, like when that, you say that'll take it in care of it most places. Just so, make a new row and no, it, you just you literally inject it into the table view or the how, collection how view, you and it's inject done. it. Well, it's just you add it to the you literally put it as a sub view. Right, right. So you have to have a row, an empty row somewhere. No, you just you 
literally create like a, the class like you, you, ahead you of you for your table view. In the class, and you yeah, where add does it to the sub view go? You just add it as a sub view of the table. But where does it come up then? It figures itself out. Oh. It does it. It does it automatically. So what it does is it actually wraps the table view or wraps the collection view. In my case, it's a collection view. It wraps the collection view in a in a like it's another another view. All right. And then that way it can it manages like the hiding and showing of it automatically. Yeah. Nice. Adjusts the size of the of the view so that it all works out yeah, yeah. perfectly. Cool. No, That's kind of cool. No so you don't cool. Yeah. That's better than the Google one. Um, I can say that. So that's really easy. And um, I mean, to be perfectly honest, my first submit to the store had a problem with that code because what I did was I separated it out into its own kind of class and um, so that I could kind of subclass my view controller, essentially advert view controller, and um, basically create new classes that just automatically injected that code mm-hmm. and got con- like that way I can control the the removal of the ads for um for purchases yeah yeah and for beta testers as well um there's actually some stuff that I'm doing there so that it will remove when it's even on the store for the the beta testers oh nice yeah and so that works like that that's perfectly fine and it's super easy to do yeah great i'm 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 waiting for the but but it won't show up in the app. All right. So the, ads will show ads, up. On, well, the ads will, the, 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 the test ads will show up on your development device. Yep. But they won't show up in the, in the store version. All right. For users. Well, that because, kind of defeats the point of having it. Well, because here's the trick. You have to do, there's two other things that you have to do in order for them to show up. One is kind of straightforward and that's to, you have to request the contract, the specific contract for IAD. All right. So there's a mm-hmm. just this like is you in have iTunes Connect in iTunes Connect. So there's um, when you do the contracts for like free and paid paid apps, there's also a contract for ads as well. Right. And you have to make sure that you uh, you request that and go through that process, which I had done because I just did all of them back back way back. Does iTunes Connect let you submit an app that's linked against the iAd framework when you haven't already gone through the iAd contract? I couldn't tell you that because I already had it. Okay. But I can tell you that the other step will allow you to submit without, like, with your code, but not actually having done it, which is a huge problem. Mm. I would say that the contract is probably not going to stop it from being submitted either, because like neither the, none of the reviewers picked up on it. It wasn't picked up by like the automatic, you know, code checking tool thing. The um, validation. App. Yeah, the validation. So I I would say that yeah it'll let you let you put it up automatically just straight up without any problem, hmm. and so but so the other thing there's one more thing that you have to do and in that's in iTunes Connect as well you have to go into the app itself so you go into manage my apps or whatever it's called yep. and you in there you select the app that you want you you're going to submit it has to be before you submit it can't be after has to be before okay or you won't be able to do it there's a thing there to manage your iad network or whatever it's whatever exactly it says it will say iad somewhere look for the iad button and you actually have to turn on iads in iTunes connect before you submit the app all right for each app for each app not yeah. not for each build so if you up do a new release yep. like if i update it now it will automatically be done it That's only removes it it only removes it if you submit something without the IAD code in it. Then it turns off. But it doesn't turn on automatically when you have IAD code. It just turns off when you remove it. It's the same as Game Center. Game Center is exactly the same. Yeah. So it's a pain. It's a super huge pain because it's the like for things like iCloud and stuff like that, you set it up in Xcode. Yeah. For things like for for IAD, you actually have to go into iTunes Connect specifically to turn on iAd before you submit the app. And I completely missed this. Even I mean, it's in the documentation, but it's like one line of code. Sorry, one line of documentation yeah, yeah, yeah. That, set that means nothing unless you actually understand so, it. Do you have to create a dummy app in iTunes Connect to get that successfully connected part? Because you do for Game Center. No. Huh. So you can create the app and do all the testing of iAd before you actually turn it on. Right. But do you have to have an app ID in iTunes Connect for the app? I don't believe so, no. Because at Game Center, you definitely do. Um, 
And then right. the next trick is remembering to tick the little box that says add Game Center to this review. Because there's for every Game Center leaderboard and achievement you make, you have to tick which ones you want to put in this review. And that's that's what gets people. So everyone knows to make the app and enable Game Center, because otherwise your your sandbox app won't connect to Game Center or Game Center Sandbox. But it's remembering to tick the achievements and stuff when you submit for review. That is hmm. the trick. So I, I wonder that. if I add the same. I don't believe so. I haven't I haven't Man, done an update with like now that our ad is actually working. But it took me like two weeks to get it in there because mm-hmm. I had like the first time I I fixed the problem that I thought I had, which was just a flag that I had set up to turn it on and off, which I had turned off. Um, and so that was my first update was to fix that, and it still didn't work. I still got like my testing ad in the in the store version, and nobody else saw anything. And then I realized that it was the iAd thing in iTunes mm. Connect that was causing my problem, and so I had to turn that on. But then. I had to, so I had to create a build, like a new build. I hadn't even started one, like I haven't even started an update. So I just created a new update and uh, and turned it on because like, you can't turn it on if it's not like an yeah, update yeah, that's yeah. pre-submission. Yeah. Yeah. And then I could build my, I could do my updates, push the app to the store again and finally it's supposed to turn up, except it didn't. Oh no! <laughs> this is this is a huge thing. Like this is ridiculous. I think things are conspiring so that you can't display ads. Basically, uh, clearly the universe does not want me to display ads. So there's another step in the process that you have no control over, and that is I add review, which is stupid. I add review. Is right. this separate from app review? It is separate from app review. And it oh, doesn't it- happen before the app hits the store. It happens after. So is this a process uh-huh. by, which, what, by which Apple decide whether your app is uh, suitable for displaying right. ads in? Yes, that is, the, that is exactly it. Is your app going to lower the, you know, the brand of their advertisers? <laughs> is it going to actually make their advertisers look good? It, it took like three or four days. Wow. For that to happen after the, uh, the did, review had did hit the you store. pass the iAd review. I did. Yeah. There are ads in the there are currently ads in the app. However, it is a process that I had to go through that took me like two and a half weeks in order to get it to that point. It sounds painful. It, it sounds very it sounds more painful awful. than in app purchases, which are quite painful in and of themselves. And that was super easy. Like comparatively, like that was just done. It's just like I think if in order to get iAd set up, you have to be really like attentive to what you're doing. Like mm. you have to be attentive to exactly Follow how it's supposed to be set up in the right order. But there's not a lot of there's not a lot of like tutorials on how to do it out there. There's yeah. no like because I mean you search for iAd on Google and all you get is like here's the iAd of this and the iAd of that. They because it thinks it's yeah. a you know ringing thing and. So it's really difficult to find any kind of solution because most of them go, okay, you just you implement this code and that's done. And it's yeah. like, no, it's not. It's not it's done. all the other iTunes connect Because stuff. you've got to go through the process. So to kind of cover off, because well, I, this is, this can, is like a, I check I've got a question as well. Okay. Can I check to see if I've been paying attention? All right. See if we, let's see if we've been paying attention. So you've got to agree to the iAd contract, which yes. is separate to the free app contract, which is separate to the paid app contract. Right. And that's done in managed manage contracts in iTunes Connect. Right. Uh, in iTunes Connect, before you submit your app, you've right. got to go on and enable the iAd network for that app before right. you submit. Before you submit. It's in the collection of blue buttons. Yes, it is. it is. It's the blue buttons that are kind of in the top right of the page. And then, no, I forgot the last one. You've got to implement the code. Yeah, you've got to oh, implement the code. the code, obviously. Yes. <laughs> Come on, Jake. That's oh, like and, the easiest part. And then you have to wait for and then you have the to iAd wait. review period. So you have to realize that it's not going to, just because your app passes review doesn't mean it's automatically going to have ads in it straight away. How do you find out about when iAd review has taken place? Like, Could you hold your app for release and not actually release it to the public until iAd review has happened? I couldn't tell you because my app went out previous. Right. And to be perfectly honest, the only way that I found out was by actually checking to make sure that I was getting commissions from the iAds. Mm. Huh. Hey, um, who advertises? Because I remember when iAd was launched, it was, it was just going to be I like don't see BMW ads, or Rolex Honda or something. And so for the developer account, I just see I still just see the um, the developer ad, like yep. the developer test ad. I don't see the actual ads. 
Oh, I'm not going to see the ads either because I was a beta tester. You probably will at this point because the update that I'm going to push out is the one, the next update, 1.0.4.3 is going to have the code to disable it for the beta testers. Oh, right. Excellent. I'm going to go see if I can see me some ads. So is there any data about Google versus iAd and who makes the more money or whatever? Because Google ads are very easy to to implement. In honesty, I think that Google ads probably will make more money. And in perfect, like in all honesty, like if you can implement something other than iAd as well or instead of iAd, you're probably going to be better off on a monetary type thing because... Like iAd only gives you revenue for certain countries that it's oh, are iAd yeah, yeah, compatible, yeah. which is only like a handful of countries. I think you can count them on two hands. I get a great it's, conversion rate with um, Google Ads as well, so they're obviously well targeted. Well, the, the, it's at the, about five percent, yeah, which is the, good. Mine's at about one or two. I think it varies kind of between the two of them. I freaking can't purchase gift wrapped at the moment because I swear every single time I go to buy an app in the App Store or download a free app, I get. Unable to purchase, gift wrapped or whatever app it is. Could yep. not be purchased at this time. Please try again later. Don't Every worry. single time. I've got it. No, but I this I just can't believe that there is a bug that has lasted for this long that actually interferes with people purchasing apps. Uh, if I force quit the app store and launch it again, uh, I can get it on the second time. Well, I got an ad for iAd. <laughs> Show me. Yeah, that's the test ad. What? But I this is the app store. You version. probably are seeing it. You probably are seeing it because you're a develop you have a developer account. Mm. Yeah, it's one of these weird things. They don't actually seem to show it to everybody or something. I don't know. Anyway. Oh, it contains age-restricted material. Well, the search can pull up, you know, Stuff. naughty things. Uh, that reminds me. I wanted to change my my apps because I have an in-app purchase in my free app, which makes me 20 bucks a month. Yep. So not much, but still something. Um, I was. It's currently a two, $2 donation to – it just has a little thing saying like, I made this app in my free time. I don't expect to make money or whatever, but if you want to chip in some... Sure. I was thinking of switching it to buy me a beer or buy me a jug, but then I realized I can't do that because then I'll have to switch it to 17 plus. So that's my conundrum. Oh, right. You could you could ask for a coffee. <laughs> right. Yeah, you could just ask for a coffee. Yeah, but I thought because it's for a double, pilots, a- I don't mean to stereotype, but it, pilots, you know, they're always talking about I'll buy you a beer afterwards. So what do you think the problem might be with like asking, like having that age restriction on it? No idea. I just, just, because you want, you want to, you, you, you can't get the little pilots. I was going to use the emoticon as well. Yeah. The little pilots. (laughs) The the mini pilots. Yeah. 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 That's true. Actually. I didn't think of that. I didn't consider my target audience is probably actually over 18. Mostly. Yeah. Interesting. The, and that's the thing, like that's the thing that I decided with 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 gift wrapped, and I I I figured it would be very important because, well, when you search, you can search you can search for things that are definitely age restricted. I just got to play slots for free ad. Nice. Oh, do it, man! You could win. <laughs> this this is everything that's wrong with the app store. By the way, <laughs> can I just say? Look, this is the things that you get with iAd. Um, well, it's the things you get with ads anyway. Just in general, you're going to get things. So that- much money, am I right? Mm, yeah. So yeah. Much- <laughs> oh man, I'm rolling in it. I make less. Than- I make less than two bucks a day on on ads. So yeah, look. The, the, I mean, the, that's iAd. I had uh, just oh my! You have no idea. I, I can tell that you how like cranky it has made me. I can just, I can tell. It's just so annoying, and it's just one of these things where it's supposed to be like super easy because mm, that's that was, how they that was that's the how they idea it. behind it, wasn't it? That you don't have to do any work and you have uh, like I do remember when it was introduced. It was like pitched as this win-win. It was going to make uh, the process of developing apps more sustainable for us developers, and it was going to give the top tier brands an opportunity to reach really discerning customers. It feels like that the reality today is a long way from that dream. Oh, absolutely. But that's what you get with ads, to be perfectly honest. There I just are very found few ad a really good iAd feature that Google doesn't have. What's that? When you open an iAd, I'm going to demonstrate this live for radio, and push the home button, it goes back to the app. Nice. That's cool. Whoa. That is nice. That is nice. Google ads don't even stand a chance at doing that. There you go. Tips from for everybody from Mobile Couch. Yep. Look, and that's all I've really got to say. Uh, although I believe I believe I've been asked to talk about the way that I'm turning off ads for beta testers, 
we've only we're running out of time. I'm going to basically finish up this show. Woo-hoo! With just me this talking. This is the iAd podcast. <laughs> so one of the things that I've done um, for my beta testers is during beta, I've I've had the ads turned off, mostly because they don't need to see them, and I can test most of the problems myself. Except that I pushed it out with a bug, and well, that was that was my own fault because I, I you know, I overlooked the fact that I had set a flag to yes instead of no, or no instead of yes. I don't know. Anyway, That's um, probably why you stuffed it up. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> that might be something to do with my naming convention for for variables. Should not. If show ads. <laughs> it's a double negative. <laughs> <laughs> so, but one of the things that I've done is turn it off for my beta developers and, sorry, beta testers. And um, the way that I've done that, I think might be semi-interesting to people because it uses URL schemes. Cool. To do it hmm. um, for the for the, for the the production version. Um, and this is how I've done it, right? I implement, a, I've, I've set up a... Um, a user-defined setting in my settings, my my project settings, that is like that is similar to the one that I use for like setting up the the separate uh, the separate app IDs. Mm-hmm. So you have you know com dot jellystyle dot gifwrapped dot beta or dot dev or whatever. So I you know can set it separate the three different uh, configurations as different apps on a on a device. And so I've set up a I've set up another another user divine setting that has that's for the URL schemes and you can use you can use the same variables in the URL schemes that it turns out as you do in like the the app settings like the app info stuff where you would set up like the app ID and all that sort of stuff. And so I've set up one that prefix sorry that yeah no suffix is the uh the, a URL scheme so it starts with gif wrapped and then adds stuff specific to the configuration. So I have like I have a beta one, a dev one, and a, a release one. And they're not just beta dev and release, they're they have a much more complex code that I've used a password generator to, you know, come up with. Um oh, and that's how you unlock the ads? Right. So all I do then is that I detect in the release version or the beta version or whatever. So in this case it's the release version. I check for either the development version or the release, the beta version, whether or not I can open that URL. Right. So with URL schemes, you've got, what is it? UI applications, shared application has a method called can. Can open URL. And you you pass it a URL. Right. And it will tell you whether or not there is an app on the device registered for that URL scheme or not. So technically, there is a fi- there is a there is a a problem with this method, and that is that technically somebody could build an app with the same URL scheme to basically In disable ads. That, I think I've got a better method. How's that? You can use shared keychain because they all have the same bundle team ID thing. Shared keychain is just like NS user defaults, but mm. shares across apps. Actually, that's a really good idea too. And that's secure. Maybe is it keychain secure? Isn't it? Yes. yes. Well, that, that's kind the of, idea. Kind Because I'm a security <laughs> expert. Yeah, I don't know. It just sounds. In theory, I think, I think that that's is what more it's secure. For. I think yeah, keychain is specifically supposed to be more secure. Mm. And and it lasts beyond deleting the app. So mm. even if the beta had it installed at some point in the life, does right. it really? Yeah, it does. It will persist. Nice. That's good to know. But mm. I'm using the I'm using my URL schemes at the moment. And I think it works really well. Like I've actually done some testing with it. I haven't, obviously, like I said before, the version with this built into it doesn't exist on the App Store yet. Um, so nobody can go and start trying to figure out what the URL scheme is. You have well, to wait until the next kind of fun. You've told the world now that this exploit exists. Yes, but I haven't explained. You put exactly. a prize on it. <laughs> the prize is no ads. I, <laughs> prizes. I don't get any money. How does how's that feel about the prize? Look, if the world can't figure out that there's an SSL exploit for iOS and in Mac open OS source code. in open source code for <laughs> months, then I think um this year it's years, isn't it? It's been around since like iOS six. Yeah. Okay. Years. Months. You know, a long time. <laughs> Man, I just feel terrible for that programmer. Oh, God. Can you imagine what it would feel like to find out himself that and you just realized? Like pushed it under the carpet or whatever? Pushed it under the no, rug? 
No. Did someone else spot it? Do we know? I don't know the full story. Did someone in like the community spot it, or did someone at Apple spot it? Or I, I don't no, know. So I, so I think the first the first that of the story breaking was Apple releasing a, yeah. an update that says this fixes a problem with SSL, and then everyone kind of figured out what the problem was that they were addressing. Well, there was probably a commit or something, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's someone found the code. There's a commit. You can actually see, you know, there's there's just two, you know, if such and such with no curly brace, go to fail. Next line, go to fail. Yeah. And so it's like, the, you know, because there's... It just always fails. It and this is why you always scope your code. Oh, this is why there are so many lessons to be learned here. Indent but, your code? Well, well it, was, it, was in, it was all indented. Well, that auto-indent? Because then that go to fail, the second one, it wouldn't would have, have been indented left. properly. Yeah, it would have jumped left and you'd be like, what? Compi- What's going on compiler there? Compiler warnings could have told you about it. Braces would have helped. Yep. Unit tests. You know, someone reviewing and the code. Using GoTo. <laughs> There's lots of lessons here. It was just even better that it was GoTo fail. Like, that's just become the, the first I heard name. Of it. I know. The first I heard of it was that, you know, when you're with Apple, you fail twice. <laughs> oh. I was like, oh. <laughs> Burn. But that's just, I just, I just feel that for guy. that person. That, oh. Guy or girl. Everyone's stuffed up. Yeah. I submitted a build to the App Store of Quick Math that only took five as the correct answer. But I realized before it was released. I brought down the BBC News website for about half a day. It's <laughs> longest you, outage ever. I remember ever. you telling us about you that. Win. Yeah. Or have you telling either you, you, I don't know if you told outage? us on air, but you told us I don't think before. I mentioned it on air. I don't know. But I, this is something that I'd love. I would love actually a blog that um that was like written by programmers for programmers that explained uh, the stuff ups. And like went into intricate detail because you know how we always hear in the mainstream press like stories about some banking systems offline for like yeah. two weeks, and you never really know what was the stuff up that caused it to be offline for two weeks. Yeah. I would really love to know because I tell you what, I learned more from that time that I killed the BBC News website than from lots and lots of other times. The problem I think from that, like that, people will see with that is that by doing so, they could be opening up vulnerabilities in their code. Yeah, yes. there's a couple for um, I've seen a few game blogs about dodgy hacks because game programming tends to end up being some dodgy hack at some point because the designer goes, I want this missile to be able to react to this player. And you're just like, how can I do that without like tightly coupling half my code base? And so there's dodgy hacks all through it. But yeah, one that sticks in my head was it was ages ago when memory was a huge concern. Um, And so the whole team were working real hard to um you know reduce just even bytes like save a few bytes you're doing well um and the, the senior or head developer at this nameless game company um the whole time from the start knew this would probably happen and had it just hidden deep somewhere just a malic 2 megabytes so, so that he could, could just, just remove it he just comment that out and go yep i've done it again guys two i've megs. saved us i saved two whole megs uh, <laughs> oh dear so we've got a few minutes did we want to talk about this thing that everybody seems to be talking about, about Objective-C? Sure. I, yes, I've got a few things I'd like to say about it. Firstly, I don't understand the kind of... Um, I see it as a little bit of an overreaction to... Um, so I think it stemmed from Ash Farrow writing an article recently saying why we need to replace Objective-C. Sure. And then from there, there were, there's kind of been... A bit of a reaction against that. People's getting a bit upset and saying, you know, oh, why is everyone off complaining that we need to replace the whole stack again? What's wrong with it? It's working just fine. And it kind of, I don't know, it, it actually made me feel really like question um, the health of this developer community. If people can't kind of honestly question the merits of a language without sort of getting backlash about, you know, are you criticizing our beloved language? I don't know, it kind of felt a bit weird. Like, I would have thought, and listening to the discussion uh, on ATP's most recent episode about this as well, where Syracuse weighed in. So um, Ash Farrow's article referenced a blog post that John Syracuse wrote uh, a long time ago, talking about the fact that at some point in the future, uh, the stack that we currently use being um, Objective-C programming language and Cocoa frameworks will eventually need to be replaced by something else just because systems always evolve and there will need to be something else. And he was kind of 
asking questions about what would that be and is anyone working on it and what features and um, attributes might it have. Um, and so Ashfari sort of referenced that. And I kind of, I think that's, to me, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? That at some point, like nothing lasts forever. At some point, the current thing becomes the old thing and there's a new thing. Um, and I don't know that anyone's madly jumping up and down and saying that point is now and uh, unless we have a new thing, we can't possibly be productive anymore. Um, but at the same time, I enjoy thinking about, you know, like, I quite enjoy learning new languages. And every time I do, I find features of them that I wish that I could use in my day-to-day work. Um, and I think that's really beneficial. Like, I, I can I can think of a bunch of things that would be nice if Objective-C had. For example, um, C-sharp's uh, ability to have extensible metadata as part of the language. Yeah. So That'd be great. the fact that in C sharp um, you can decorate your methods and properties with um, with metadata, a, a bit like um, kind of like non atomic and stuff. Yeah, but the, you can add your own. Exactly. Yeah. So the, the the strength is there. You can add your own. You can come up with a, a brand new type of metadata, and it's object oriented and it has inheritance. So you can have you know a whole inheritance hierarchy in your metadata uh, and use that in your code. So a specific example of where I've seen that used to great effect is. Um, having automatically generated user interfaces that constrain the inputs based on metadata. So, for example, you might have a class with a method that takes uh, an integer argument. Right. And you might then say, I want to be able to constrain that and say there's a minimum value for that integer and a maximum value. Mm -hmm. So you just come up with a scheme of saying, okay, min and max is going to be my metadata for that method. And then you can use reflection to reflect upon that class and say, uh, what types does the method take uh, and what is the min and max for that type and then come up with a user interface that has a slider that's constrained to that min and max. With you just saying this, and I think it was reflection that actually just tweaked that in my head, you could probably do that with PHP. There you go. I mean, you can do it in a lot of languages. Like using, I, I think any any language where you can access the doc block from like for a, for a class, you can do that in oh, Yeah, yeah, yeah you can it. access the doc block. That's it, and you can set you can set your own like parameters. So you know how you have like return or param and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. You can set your own. It's that like they're not like there's a set collection of them like param and return mm. and all those ones. But you can actually create your own. And so, and while we're at it, I mean, there are languages that support the ability to constrain parameters more tightly than just by type. So uh, I think it's called contract based programming or something like that where you actually say, this method takes an integer. The integer must be a positive number between 1 and 10. Less oh, does that, actually. And it's actually... Yeah, JavaScript has that, I'm pretty yeah, sure. There is, there's some they stuff that it, you can do with that. They call it promises, though. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's two features just then. Uh, metadata, extensible metadata and the ability to define parameters to a method more tightly than just the type it takes. Yeah. Uh, generics from Java, I really enjoyed that, being able to parameterize things like a, a collection to say this collection can only ever contain objects of a particular type. Um, I think that's actually quite useful. Um, Nested classes. Although I'm debating with myself if they're any good. But in Java, for instance, if you want to kick off another thread, you have to pretty much make a whole other class. Um, and it's so nice to be able to just stick it in the same class if it's only ever going to be used in that class. Mm. C Sharp has nested classes as well. Yeah. So... So I think, yeah, I can think of a bunch of different features from other languages that it would be nice to see. So the idea of just saying, and I'm not at the point where I'm about to turn my back on Objective-C and say, oh, you know, unless Apple replaces language, there's no way the platform can have a future. Of course, this platform has a future. Cocoa is a fantastic framework. Um, Objective-C's got a lot going for it, and it's going to continue to do so. But at the same time, I, I think we're all missing out if we're not looking to other languages to see what they do really well, right? And, th- and thinking about whether those things can be imported into into the language we're using. Absolutely, um, but I think I think at the same time, like the idea of replacing Objective C is a big step. Like it's not. I mean, it's it's one thing to go, okay, well, we just replace Objective C. Well, that you you when you replace Objective C, you have to replace a lot of the libraries that it uses. A lot of that, like a lot of that stack that just comes along with Objective C, that you kind of take for granted, things like the APIs that you use every day, that well, sort of stuff is part of it. Technically, they're all C plus plus. A lot of them are. A lot yeah. of them are C plus plus with an Objective C wrapper. 
but you, the wrapper still has to be made. Like that's only the, because the, we're the, using Objective C, right? But the day that we like the day that we replace it, like let's say that we replaced it with something that isn't C based. Let's say that they replace it with Java. Is that repl- is that C based? I'm just going to no. no. see. It's a C Good. style language, maybe. It's, it's, got, cur- style it's got curly braces and the virtual machine's probably written in C and assembly. It, it's you not going to replace it with Java. <laughs> let's not go there. Let's say that they replace <laughs> no, Objective C with PHP. <laughs> no, <laughs> no let, look, I, I, it's one of these things, right? I, where- I think let's. I'll go back. My premise is uh, one day we will be writing programs in something that's not Objective C, and it will be a better. Language, but I don't know whether I agree. I don't know whether that will come because we replace Objective C, or that will become because we no longer make stuff for OS ten or or iOS. So I think I think um, Syracuse's point uh, was that it's it could be either. So it could be that we're no longer writing stuff in in the distant future. We're no longer writing stuff in Objective C because the next big platform that's come along happens to have a different, better language. Um, and that platform gets success perhaps independent of the different better language, but we all rush to it anyway. Right. Um, or it could be, and maybe Apple has some control over this, that there is a decision to have a roadmap for, you know, moving the platform forward at some point in the distant future. Um, and that roadmap's executed really well and we end up still developing for Apple's platforms, but using different technology stuff. And then one day we won't even write code anymore. Or we'll do right. something differently. Exactly. We use touch interfaces to you know, draw our constraint-based programming. That's kind of cool too. We've got constraint-based user interfaces. Have you ever done constraint-based programming? Is it as hard as auto layout? Yes, it is. It's I'm going to lose it's my horrible. job. But the idea being you just specify the constraints that need to be satisfied and then allow the program to solve itself. Can you constraint the money? Can I say must make more than $1 million? <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Always removed from App Store. <laughs> <laughs> No, look, I like there. I think there is a lot of questions that need to be that that you kind of that kind of come up with this sort of thing, um, and I don't think this is a bad thing. Like, I think this is, I think it's a good intellectual discussion. That being said, there is a lot of things that kind of need to be fulfilled before we can ever consider replacing Objective C. I, I think, and it could be, yeah. Before then, like we're more likely to see them add new things right. to the language, and that could be how how. The language is replaced, right? It could be that the language continues to evolve as it has been, right? Recently, yeah. Well, I and mean, you just new look features at features added to the language, you know, incrementally. You till just we look get at to the way that you can now int- like write dictionaries and stuff, like with short yeah, that's yeah, so new literals. Yeah, yep. that's fantastic. So, what would be the one new language feature if you if you could uh, influence someone at Apple who's working on their compiler technology and looking at the language, and you could say, "I want one new language feature in Objective C." I'm not saying replace it. Not saying get rid of Coco or, you know, move to a dramatically new different language. I'm just saying uh, one language feature. What would you ask for? Ooh, I'd take the metadata because I've seen how good it is in Java. Hmm. I can imagine that being really good. And I'm thinking about how I can utilize the doc blocks thing so to make that work. being very PHP. original. That no, was I'd, mine. I can't. I'm trying to think of something. Better KVO would be nice. I hate having to. In fact, just remove string literals altogether from everything. As in, I don't like to have to type a string as a key. I like it to be compiler checked. That would probably be my number one. That sounds cool. So no storyboard segue identifiers, no table view cell strings. Yep. None of it. I want it all compiler yep. checked. No, no KVO string. And also I'd like KVO to not be in one method. So there's not observe value at key path. And then I have to stick an if in with if key is equal to blah. Yep. I don't like that. I love KVO. I love being able to get an update when a property is changed. Yeah. So you'd like um, reactive, reactive Coco. Whoa. Yeah, I know. Speaking I of which, that. we should address the, my absolute lack of doing my homework. <laughs> we're going to be doing, we're gonna be doing there that may, later. There may be a special show on this. Coming up. We are currently working future. on it. So much anticipation. Mm. And on that bombshell. Time to say bye-bye. I think it's time we should wrap things up. So, guys, if you would like to read about any of the things that we've talked about today, you can do so by jumping onto our website and checking out the show notes. And the show notes are at mobilecouch.co forward slash 26. Isn't it awesome now that I'm remembering all the numbers? It is. It's yeah, pretty, well pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. 
if you would like to get in touch with us, you should do that as well and talk to us. You can tell me what an idiot I am about IAD or something like that. Jump onto our website, mobilecouch.co forward slash contact, fill out a form, and we will read it. Well, not the form, but we'll read the email that we get as a result of the form. Now, you can also get in contact with us individually, and uh, you can get in touch with Jake on Twitter. His handle on Twitter is jmcmullen, that's J-M-A-C-M-U-L-L-I-N. Ben is also on Twitter as Ben Trengrove, B-E-N-T-R-E-N-G-R-O-V-E. And I am at Jelly Bean Soup on Twitter and Jelly on app.net. Thanks, guys, for listening. It's been amazing. We've had a lot of fun. And uh, we look forward to talking to you in a couple of weeks' time. Bye. Bye. Bye.